Hello, hola, and konnichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gubby Freeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the curtain jerkers. Of course, I'm talking about those fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. This weekend is UFC Vegas 51 headline, Bilal Muhammad and Vicente Luque 2. Of course, those of you who know this show know we will not be breaking down that fight or any of the other fights on the main card because this is the prelim primer completely dedicated to the prelim portion of the card. Now, for those of you who might be new to the show and wondering why just break down the prelims, why not break down the very exciting main card or maybe a little bit less exciting but somewhat exciting main card for this event the answer is really simple. We we know you guys know who's on this main card. We know you know who Bilal Muhammad and Vicente Luque are, and you've probably seen them fight each other before. But the bottom line is you probably don't know a lot of these names on the prelims, and that's why we're here to help you, because if you're gambling, playing daily fantasy sports, want to win a pick'em contest, or hey, maybe just want to enjoy the fights a little bit more, you're going to need that breakdown. So... Uh, before we get to breakdown, I do have to let you know that this episode of the Prelim Primer is brought to you by Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. Whether you do kickboxing, judo, sambo, or jujitsu, you need Maroon Social so that you can log those training sessions and do so many more things, which I'll tell you about a little bit later on in the show. But for right now, I have to introduce my co-host. Joining me today, you may know him from Grappling Insider, at Benjamin Abrigo on Twitter, of course, I'm talking about Benjamin Abrigo. Ben, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, man. Always a pleasure. All right. And as you guys know, we start each and every round by putting five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Devin the Brown Bear Clark versus William Knight. So Clark, on a two-fight losing streak, he lost to Anthony Smith in a headliner and then followed that up with a unanimous decision loss to Ian Kudalaba. That fight back in September. William Knight on a two-fight streak until it got lost to a unanimous decision to Maxim Grish in that fight back in February. So the weird thing about this fight is it's happening at heavyweight, which personally I think suits Thick Willie just fine. But <laughs> how do you feel about this fight happening at 265 for Devin Clark? I don't feel quite as good for it. I think, I mean, these are these are two sides of the same coin. These are some thick, thick boys. Uh, but I do think, like, William Knight probably, even though he's shorter, I believe, makes a little bit more sense at heavyweight just based on the fact that, right, he missed weight by 12 pounds in his last fight for, like, heavyweight. Uh, and I didn't think Devin Clark, while he's thick, I never thought of him as a particularly big, light heavyweight. But um, I'll be honest, I don't think the size is going to be a huge factor here other than making the fight, like, extra meaty and awesome. But <laughs> I think Devin Clark's, like, kind of obvious path to victory still is there, whether this fight is at light heavyweight or heavyweight. Yeah, but it, the beauty of it is, you're right, it, it does add a little extra thickness. And also, <laughs> these are two guys who, whether or not they are actually light heavyweights in terms of their, their physical body chemistry or not, their fight styles suit heavyweight so well, right? Like, there's such variables when they get in there. You know, you never know what Devin Clark is going to do. Is it going to be the guy who goes in there and puts together a really great game plan for three rounds? Or is it going to be the guy who just kind of gets tapped out to a standing rear naked choke with no leg or no hooks in? So, uh, and, and then, you know, William Knight's been powering out of shit with no form for years. So, uh, I, I think they're both really suited for the division. Now, with neither having to cut weight, you said you didn't think size was a big uh, advantage either way. Who do you got in this fight and how do you got him? I, I like Devin Clark by actually putting together something solid here, <laughs> wrestling William Knight. I, the thing is, when you wrestle a guy like William Knight, yeah, he has power late in the fight, but every takedown is going to get easier and easier and easier. So, you know, 
I think Devin Clark, especially coming off two consecutive losses, he's going to play it safe here and and ground William Knight for a unanimous decision. All right, and I'm actually going to differ with you on this one. He's burned me too many times. I can't pick <laughs> against Thick Willie, and especially I can't pick against Thick Thick Willie up at heavyweight. So I'm going to go with William Knight. I'm going to say he just catches him with something on the way in one time. I'm going to say he gets that knockout. Uh, I'll go second round. And that brings me to a fight that is substantially less thick, and that is Lena Landsberg <laughs> versus Panicky Anzad. So Landsberg returns after two years away from having her first child. She lost to Sarah McMahon back in January of 2020. That's her last fight. Panicky Anzad, meanwhile, was on a four-fighting winning streak. She had that winning streak snapped with a loss to Raquel Pennington, a huge step up for her back in September that she did not answer. So my question for you since Landsberg last was in the cage, Kianzad seems to be getting a lot sharper, particularly from distance. She still sometimes has a little issue being kind of manhandled in the clinch, or at least that was a little bit of a problem with Raquel Pennington. Do you think Lena Landsberg, if she returns to her old self, is the type of fighter who can exploit that? You know, maybe in her prime against a Panic Kianzad of a couple years ago, but I think you bring up a great point about Kianzad getting better and better. And even though... Um, cause this was actually the last fight that I watched getting ready for this podcast was Kianza against Pennington. And, um, you know, even though that is like Pennington beat Kianza in that fight, mostly against in the clinch, mostly against the fence, it was still a scrap, especially for the first like round and a half. Um, and I think that's more of a credit to just, that's how good that's what Pennington does. And she can do that to the best in the world. Um, so that's a long way of saying to answer your question. I'm not sure uh, Landsberg can do that to Kianzad here at all. I don't think she has the physicality for it, and I don't think she can fight at the pace that Kianzad fights at. Um, and then, yeah, anytime they are at distance, or especially, I think, kind of the mid-boxing range, I love Kianzad to light up Landsberg. So I like Panda Kianzad here pretty big. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on this one, and I'll say this too. The, the difference between Lena Landsberg, even way back when, if she is her old self, in the clinch and Raquel Pennington, they're both they, they're both seen as clinch fighters, but not in the same way, right? Raquel wears on you. She presses into you. She, like, sort of is looking for takedowns, but mostly is just zapping your energy. Whereas, you know, like Landsberg's trying to create a little bit of distance and throw a knee to your midsection or, you know, th- trying to throw an elbow to the side of your head. And I think that actually plays worse against Kianzad, uh, and it's going to give her more opportunities to break and throw, like you said, and win from distance. So I'll take Kianzad here by decision. How do you see her winning it? I like her by decision as well, and I, I think that's a great call. All right, and that brings us to our last fight, which is Jakar Close versus Brandon Jenkins. So Close had a three-fight winning streak. It was snapped by Benil Dariush back in March of 2020. Of course, after that, he had the Jeremy Stevens push, and we haven't seen him since then. Brandon Jenkins... Took a short notice debut on just nine days, lost to Zhu Rong in September by grounded pound. So my, my question for you, obviously, we, we've got all kinds of question marks around Jerkar close, <laughs> but Brandon Jenkins loves spitting shit and flying shit and like just kind of being all over the cage. If we do see the same Jerkar close, which again is a big if similar to Lena Landsberg, is he the right kind of guy to just kind of counter that with very fundamental, straightforward striking? You would certainly think so, or I think Drakkar Close, on paper at least, would be the guy to counter that with very fundamental, straightforward wrestling. Um, and I think he he could do that here, but I also think Drakkar Close, again, with all the question marks, the, what, two-plus-year layoff, and then still reporting that he still is experiencing symptoms from the infamous Jeremy Stevens push, a lot of question marks, but I also feel like 
he could be drawn into a brawl. Um, I just don't think he's going to necessarily do it here against Brandon Jenkins. And even in a brawl, um, I'm not so sure that Brandon Jenkins wins that. But yeah, I mean, there's always a guy like Brandon Jenkins. There's a chance that he's landing a flying knee or something big. Um, but even like in an extended striking exchange, I kind of favor Dracar close unless his like chin is, is completely shot. Yeah, I agree with you entirely. I, I think he is given a match here that makes a lot of sense for him. And even if he falls into the wrong kind of match, I still think he has an advantage. So I'm going to take close and I'll say, I think I'm just going to take him by decision. I'm, I'm not sure what he's got for finishing power here. And especially against the guy who's going to be uh, kind of erratic. So I'll take him by decision. How about you? I got my, I got him by decision as well. He's not, you know, really a finisher. No, not very much. All right. And that's going to do it for the end of our first round. We'll take a quick break and we will be right back with round number two. All right. Well, I told you guys I was going to give you another function of Maroon Social that makes it so awesome. And one of my personal favorites is that you can log your competitions. So many times I wish I could go back to my jujitsu career at the very beginning and start logging all the competitions I had. So I had a big, long record, almost like a tapology page for my own grappling. And I didn't do that because Maroon Social wasn't even around back then. But now it is here. And let me tell you something. It's awesome because now I have all of my most recent competitions, little notes about how I did, where I placed. But not only where I placed, things I liked that I did in competitions, you know, like takedowns I hit or, you know, I don't hit many takedowns. But maybe similar sweeps that I hit or stuff like that. It's all right there in the app. And you can do it for yourself, too. Don't waste another day and not start. Download Maroon Social today. And we are back with round number two. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Rafa Garcia versus Jesse Ronson. So Garcia snapped the two-fight losing streak when he picked up a decision over Natan Levy, that fight back in November. Ronson, meanwhile, came back to the UFC after a long time away, won a fight against Nicholas Dalby by rear naked choke, but that got overturned to a no contest due to a Yosada spot. He's been away for 20 months since then. My question for you, though, again, we, we've got so many questions about people being away on this card. <laughs> we'll try to stay away from that with Ronson, but my question for Garcia is, can Garcia neutralize that wrestling of Ronson? That is, you know, probably his biggest strength. Can Garcia neutralize Ronson's wrestling? Yeah, or... and I mean, you could say it the other way, too, because Garcia mean... can wrestle, too. Yeah, I think so. Um I'll, I'll be honest, I came in, when Rafa Garcia came into the UFC, I was, like, super high on him. Not that I thought he was going to be, like, a champion, but I honestly thought he had, like, kind of top 10 potential and then right out of the gate losing to Hack Brast and then Grutzmacher is a little bit less. But I don't know. I, I favor, I'm somebody here where there's a lot of questions going into the fight about where somebody's at, and you definitely have that question about Ronson. Um, I tend to favor with the athlete that I think is probably more durable at this point in their career. Um, and I think Rafa Garcia, whether it's wrestling or striking, I think Garcia is going to be the one able to push forward and able to kind of be more aggressive. I think Ronson is a much more technical fighter, but um, here I'm just, you know, it, I think this is such a difficult fight to pick. You're uh, With Rafa Garcia, a bit of a brawler and Ronson as a kickboxer, um, I'm favoring the brawler here, basically, just on trusting his age and durability at this point in his career. Yeah, I can see that. I will say this, too, though, is that while Rafa Garcia moves forward, and, and I think you're, you're spot on about the fact that that dude just moves forward whether he's getting blasted in the face or not. I mean, <laughs> yes. like, we, we saw it in the Grootsmacher fight, and it was kind of, I don't want to say it was disappointing, but it was like, 
pseudo disappointing that he like just kept eating those shots in in you know at the end of the day like it's good that he is moving forward but I do worry about whether or not that just like adds up to the fact where he can't come back from being down a couple of rounds early he winds up pressing in a way that doesn't make any sense against Ronson so I'm I think this is a coin flip fight and I I think the odds even dictate that too but I'm gonna take Ronson here I say he gets it done uh by decision in just like kind of a I think kind of a sloppy fight how about you I'm going Garcia as well in a sloppy fight I could see a split decision here for sure well actually and it's funny that you mentioned that Ronson his first time in the UFC I looked back he has three split decisions before they removed they released him and one of them being to Kevin Lee and one of them being to Michelle Prezerich. So kind of crazy. And yeah, I could totally see it happening again. All right, let's talk about one of my favorite fighters in the UFC. And that's Chris <laughs> Huggy Bear Barnett. After losing his UFC debut to Ben Rothwell by Bucky Choke, he wheel kicked Jean Volante in the head back in November and picks up uh, a TKO victory. Boudet, meanwhile, 9-1, and one, making his UFC debut. He knocked out Lorenzo Hood with a knee on the Contender Series back in October to win that contract. So... You know, what we've seen out of Boudet, both, you know, on the Contender Series and when he was on the regional scene, is he likes to get in close, throw that dirty boxing. He's got a big, you know, heavy left hand that he likes to throw. You know, it it sounds like it's a nightmare for Chris Barnett, but do you think there's a way Chris Barnett neutralizes that? I mean, I think I agree with you that it sounds like a nightmare for Chris Barnett. I would say, like, honestly, I don't think Boudet has been out of – he has never seen the third round um, and as big as, you know, burly as Barnett is, I think the guy can fight at a pace, right? He's fought a crazy pace. <laughs> uh, so I think if, if he can get seven plus minutes into the fight, um, and start defending one, a takedown here and there, I think that's a totally different fight. I do agree with you that like on paper at first glance, you see like Boudet, a guy with a grappling background, who's actually like freaking humongous like a naturally large human um i think that's a pretty obvious pick but man i think if if barnett can can survive early and get the guy tired in a in territory he's never seen before uh, we might be looking at another like wheel kick knockout here (laughs) i i love your optimism and with that uh, I I uh, contractually cannot pick against Chris Huggy Bear Barnett, so I will take him with your breakdown by late knockout. Uh, who you got winning this one? Well, man, I, I I'm gonna actually go with that too. But I actually I swear I don't think that's that wild of a pick. I mean, the wheel quick. If he does that again, that's bananas. But a late knockout, I don't think you're, think is too too crazy here. All right, and that brings us to our last fight of the second round, which is Jordan Levitt versus Trey Ogden Levitt. 2-1 in the UFC, he last beat Matt Salis by inverted triangle back in December. Ogden, meanwhile, 15-4, making his debut. He got his contract on Dana White's looking for a fight and for Fury FC when he arm triangle choked J.J. Okanovich. That fight was in November. So, Jordan Levin is a guy who is really good at jiu-jitsu when the fight hits the mat. Maybe not the best wrestler and is just a guy who kind of has to force other people to take the grappling to him hasn't looked really polished on the feet but trey ogden is a dude who might just take the grappling to him if he does that who do you favor in this fight yeah they're actually two pretty similar guys and i'm actually this is like kind of a sleeper good fight um especially with you know you have a ufc a guy making his ufc debut in, in trey ogden but um i think they're similar in that they both kind of prefer to grapple they don't have the best wrestling to get it there um trey ogden i gotta say 
full bias local Kansas City guy. He owns a you know a jujitsu gym here, like just down the street from me. Um, super nice guy. But bias aside, I think he's a slightly more clean fighter, um, and I think he's going to be prepared for like Jordan Levitt's front headlock game. Um, but I do think this, while it lasts, was going to be a super fun fight, mostly on the mat. Yeah, and I think if he takes it to the mat, it is going to be super fun and back and forth. But I also could totally see him just stuffing everything Jordan Levitt shoots on him. And I think he's got an advantage on the feet. Um, I'm not really impressed with Jordan Levitt on the feet. In, in fact, I think pretty much everybody in that division is a nightmare for Jordan Levitt if they stop his takedowns and keep it off the mat. So, yeah, like I, I think Ogden could win it on the feet. I think he could win it on the mat. Uh, it's just going to be about if he gets those takedowns, like you said, staying safe, making sure he doesn't get stuffed, making sure he stays out of that front headlock game. Um, so I'm going to go with Ogden. I'll say he gets it done uh, by decision. How about you? I'm actually going to go Ogden by submission. I think Levin's going to get a little overconfident on the mat and make a mistake. All right. And that's going to do it for the end of our second round. We'll be right back with round number three. All right, guys. One last function that I'm going to tell you about that I really love about Maroon Social and that's the ability to see some of your training partners' training sessions. You know, like sometimes you can't get to the gym. Life catches up with you. Maybe you got two kids like I do. If you're one of those people, your partners can leave notes about what went on in class today. Maybe you went over an arm triangle choke that was particularly helpful and you were looking forward to doing. You can check in with your friends the next time at Open Mat. Hey, show me that arm triangle. Let's work on that a little bit. I missed out on it. All of that stuff can be right there and also you can check out what people with doing out of town i've got friends who train out of town now and i wish i could catch up with them all the time now i can see what they're doing training now i can see how they're doing they level up belts and all kinds of other cool things like that and you can do that exclusively on maroon social so i highly suggest downloading that app today and we are back with round number three i'm going to put another five minutes on the clock and we're going to start this round by talking about Estella Nunez versus Sam Hughes. So Nunez got her UFC debut, but she lost it to Ariane Carnelosi by rear naked choke that fight in October. Sam Hughes has not only gotten her debut, but she has gotten three fights in the UFC. None of them wins at this point. She's 0-3 with losses to Tisha Torres, Lomaluk Bume, and most recently to Luana Pinheiro, that last fight by unanimous decision in November. So we, we got Sam Hughes here getting her fourth chance in the UFC, something that's almost seems like a myth to most people. What does she have to do to turn this around? Because it seems like she's losing those fights. And granted, you know, Loma Lugbume, Tisha Torres, really high-level opponents. She's losing these fights everywhere. Like, I, I don't see a path to victory for her in a lot of ways. Tell me what she can do here. I think... First of all, I think that's a great read on your part that she seems kind of like lost or I feel like watching her her recent fights. I've been kind of like, so what was the plan here? What? How did you expect to win? But I think if she wants to beat Estela Nunez here, she has to kind of have a pretty obvious game plan of like moving forward, get to the inside, put her against the fence if she can. Sam Hughes is actually a pretty decent athlete. And I think if they're like chest to chest against the fence, I think Sam Hughes could beat her up there and maybe score some takedowns. I know Nunez didn't show great takedown events against Ariane Carnelosi. Um, so I think that is a path to victory, but in terms of executing it for Sam Hughes it seems to have been the problem recently. Yeah. And I agree with you entirely. And and that's sort of, you know, like it, it's the most frustrating thing. Cause like you said, she is an impressive athlete. She She's very physical and, 
if you do see little glimpses of her doing great things, you're like, oh, there's an there's an athlete in there. But like, if you can't follow a game plan, there there's little hope for you, especially in a division with so many skilled women in it, right? Like that that is like the cream of the crop right now in the women's divisions is 115. So. I guess then the question is, is do you think she can make it that gritty fight that she needs to against Nunez or does Nunez just roll pretty easily here? Um, I think things, I think maybe uh, Hughes has five minutes of success, but then Nunez kind of gets the ball rolling in the second or third round and, and wins a close decision. Yeah, I'm going to take her by decision as well. I, I don't think she finishes Hughes, especially being that Loma Lukbume didn't or, uh, you know, Luana Pinheiro didn't. If if those two aren't taking her out, I don't think Nunez is either, but I'll take her by decision uh, at least two rounds to one. Uh, and that brings us to our last fight, which is Haile Alatang versus Kevin Kroom. Alatang won one and one in his last three fights. He's coming off a draw with Gustavo Lopez his last time out. Kevin Crew, meanwhile, is on a two-fight losing streak. He's lost to Alex Caceres and Brian Boom Kelleher back-to-back. So, you know, speaking of trying to make fights ugly, uh, Kevin Kroom. Uh, Kevin Kroom loves to make fights ugly. He loves to throw big. And now he's also going down to Bantamweight, where he is going to be so long and lanky. Uh, what do you think his type of fight looks like down at 135? And can he get Haile Alatang to fight it? Um, I think his kind of, I mean, it looks the same probably that it does at 145, but this is not, I mean, I, I'm not his coach, obviously. I don't know what Kevin Kroom is going through, but he is not a, he was not a particularly fast featherweight. So I'm not too sure how this is going to translate down at bantamweight being, um, facing faster opponents. Um, you know, I think it, it, it has to be an ugly fight, but He's facing like a really fast, good athlete in Alatong here in his very first bantamweight fight. Um, on top of that, Kevin Kroom has a ton of miles on his body, is 34 years old. Like it really makes you wonder about this weight cut. And that's like a ton of questions. But even, you know, if he makes the weight cut just fine, I think Alatong is like way, way, way too fast. Um, and I don't think Kroom really kind of has the tools to keep it at range um, where he would have that like reach advantage. Yeah, and I will say this too, like the the one path that I do see possibly for Kevin Kroom is in that that fight Alatong had with Gustavo Lopez. He won the first two rounds and then he kind of got blasted in that third round, right? He, he tired out a little bit. It seemed like Gustavo Lopez had more in the tank than he did. You know, Kevin Kroom notoriously is a guy who hangs around in fights. Is there a chance he tires Alatong out? Probably not, but like if if I'm having to draw uh, a path to victory here for Kevin Kroom, that's probably what I'm saying. He's just gonna have to take him into deep waters. But you know, like all the time, went in there with with Casey Kenny, went in there with with Gustavo Lopez. He's he's in there throwing with dudes who are way faster and way sharper than Kevin Kroom. I think he cruises here, and I actually think he takes Kevin Kroom out. I'm gonna take him by knockout here. How about you? Yeah, I'm with you. I think the the draw with Gustavo Lopez is actually a pretty good result for him. Um, so, yeah, I like Alatang pretty big here by maybe second round knockout. All right. And that's going to do it for the end of our third round. We gave you eight fights in just a little bit over 15 minutes. We hope you guys learned something and are a little bit more excited for these prelims. Uh, once again, I want to thank my co-host, Benjamin Abrigo. You can catch him on Twitter at his name, Benjamin Abrigo. Ben, thanks so much for joining me, man. Thank you.